Welcome to the Break New Ground podcast. My name is Luis Prado, aka B-Boy El Prado. And today we are joined with a very special guest. We are joined by the lovely Janelle Adviento. Welcome. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Um, quick backstory as to why you're here. This <laughs> might not exactly represent breaking as a concept, but um, I reached out to you when you were in China because I thought you had a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. And um, you represent an co- entirely different community than what we've had so far on the podcast. So I feel like your presentation of information will be a lot different than what we've had thus far. So just a quick thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast back before this thing even blew up. Like, um, for those at home that have no idea what's going on, I reached out to Janelle uh, back when I had barely dropped episode one. And I asked her to be on the podcast whenever she came back to the States. And, um, well, she's here. You're on the podcast. I'm here. uh, Thank you for being here. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, this podcast is also pretty special because it's the first time that we're doing a different segment. Um, and for those that have been tuning into the Instagram or have been tuning into your Instagram, for those listeners that are at home, um, this is the first time that we're going to take listener-submitted questions. Mm-hmm. So I know that we have quite a big amount, actually. Yeah. The original concept for this segment was going to be called the lightning round, but Unfortunately, it's no longer a lightning round, and it's more just like uh, an inquiry intermission. If we want to find a better name further down the line, we will, but for right now, we're going to stick to that. Um, so, hey. Hey. Who's Janelle, and uh, what do you do as an artist? Who is Janelle? Um, well, as an artist, just straight to the point, I'm a dancer, choreographer, um, visual instrument as I like to say it, human noodle. Um, <laughs> but as a person, I'm just a regular woman, Sagittarius, Filipino woman that loves her family and fur babies. And um, and while I can, I just, I'm a dancer. Would you describe yourself as a specific style of dance or are you just open-ended? Oh, I'm definitely open-ended. I think... Um, I think to the outside eye, I'm an urban dancer, um, but to me, I feel like I'm just a mover. I don't necessarily like to put labels on what my movement is, just because I feel like that might limit me to what I feel like I can do versus what I can't do. Um, so I'm definitely just a mover. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to put it, I think, for anyone that doesn't have any clue on where they fit in their category. Um, but another reason why, as, as to why I have you on the podcast is because, um, I mean, we, could, we will get to this, but you travel yeah. and you dance mm-hmm. and that's your life. Yeah, as of um, the past, more, maybe about a year or two years, that's, been, that's what I've been doing. Um, I, I started traveling uh, sometime last year as my career and um I man so many so many things have been changed since then I I definitely didn't start off that way um but this is kind of where my path is leading to now and I'm kind of just riding through that because um it's funny you mentioned that because when I first met you and this was a year ago uh we worked a gig together for Mm -hmm. Brick House shout out to Jackie um 
we we talked and you told me that you had left your job at Nike. Yeah. And that you were going to do this China thing and you were actually very excited and uh it's funny seeing now like a year later like how much you've progressed because mm-hmm. I think that's that's the really impressive part and that's why I was so certain that I wanted to have you on the podcast because you've gone through so much growth in arguably a small amount of time. So you have a lot of experience and wealth of knowledge to share and um I think that's why it made you an attractive guest option. <laughs> um so as far as as choreography goes and we already kind of got into that uh this is what you do for a living. You've traveled already overseas, you recently came back from China. Um and I I imagine it's not easy to become accustomed to another country, especially one that you haven't been to. Yeah, definitely not. Um so what are some challenges that you faced teaching in a foreign country and uh how have you been able to overcome those barriers? Oh man. Um I would say the first thing people always ask me is how do you get over the language barriers? How do you get over um not being able to communicate and this and that? And honestly, I think um after traveling to different countries around East Asia, I would say language, yes, can be um tricky at times, but I think with what I'm doing as a dance teacher um out there, it's not even a problem as long as Um I mean I've realized that dance is universal. It's a universal language as well as um love, gratitude and just sharing a passion for the same thing. So at least with my students, um it's not even a problem whatsoever. Um and I mean there's usually translators anyway if there if there needs to be, but um I think besides that I would have to say for my personal experience The hardest part about going to different countries would just be um getting accustomed like always having to adapt to the different things that these people um have as their customs in right, yeah. in their countries because I mean essentially you are a visitor to their country you're not right. um and not everywhere is like where you came from obviously so um I mean so if I go into a studio and um maybe i don't know maybe it's like they don't have ac in their country or they don't like do things like i think we're so blessed in the united states especially here in california and san diego and stuff so um sometimes your situations won't be ideal like how you're used to at home um and i think the hardest part for me is always just the traveling part i think uh, i've been through so many like lost baggages, late delayed baggages or delayed flights, had to stay in the airport for about like more than 24 hours type of situations, but honestly, once you get there, it's not even a problem at all because it's all worth it in the end. I think when people mention the language barrier, I think a lot of them would probably question how you were able to get around. How do you ask for the bathroom? Do you speak Chinese? <laughs> um, you know, the thing is whenever I visit a new country, I make it a point to learn their language. Okay. Um I don't know. I I think it's so crazy to to travel somewhere you've never been to and they right. they have a different culture, different customs and um the least you can do is at least learn their language and um not just for consideration but also just um to out of respect. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, out of respect yeah. but then also just just to expand your own mind and expand um your own arsenal of language like why wouldn't you want to, you know? So Um yeah, I I can't speak some Mandarin now. I'm not the best, but I can definitely find my way to the bathroom. Okay. I think that's the most important. <laughs> it is part. the most important. As long as you can get to the bathroom. It is the most important set. thing. <laughs> <clears throat> um 
So since this is a career for you now and, and you plan on having that be your career for a while, um, I think it's fair to say that this career choice would have not been an option like 50 years ago. <laughs> and uh, it's tough because when you think about it, like it's, the field is still developing. Okay. Like dancing as a career is viable, but it has limited options. So for you as someone who's just barely kind of getting started in that, in that sense, how do you approach the idea of stability when you look at? Oh man, you know, like I, I get this question a lot. Recently, I taught at um, at a high school. Shout out to Eastlake High, uh, my alma mater. But, and a question that I got there was similar to this. It's um, especially with um, a lot of these kids going off to college and being like, how how do I do this dance thing when you know I'm. I need to get my degree too, but I don't know what I should do. Um, and my parents aren't supporting me because, you know, this is not a career that you can necessarily fall back on um, or people don't believe you can necessarily fall back on. Um, for me, I would say create longevity within everything. So that would be, um, well, simply put, first of all, your own body. I mean, our body is our instrument when it comes to dance. Um, I know... So when, I mean, when I say that, I, necess I necessarily mean like stretching, conditioning, going to the gym, just taking care of yourself, fine-tuning your instrument, because if you don't do that, then, um, man, in this dance thing, we have to take care of ourselves. So I agree, yeah. That would be the first thing, is just, you want to be dancing for as long as you can. Yeah, that's so, a quick reminder to everyone out there yeah, to stretch. Um, definitely. I'm definitely a big advocate for stretching. <laughs> Um, what else would you advise um, people? I would say um, piggybacking along investments would probably be um, invest in your training. Um, in a lot of the case, cases, um, dance is not a cheap passion. It's a very expensive passion, actually, especially if you're um, in the choreography world like I am, where you have to pay for your training, pay for your classes, um, pay for traveling to and from like um, places where they're hosting workshops that aren't close by, dance conventions, um, et cetera, et cetera. Even down to like like the clothes you're wearing or the way you look because all of that is still part of, essentially part of the business as well. Um, and so just invest in, um, in your training and all of that as well as um, finding ways that you can actually invest financially. And I think that's um, something else if you're, if people are really serious about this dance thing, yeah. um, I think that's a way to look at it in terms of longevity because, um, I mean, again, our bodies are, don't last forever. So that's what's the next step? Um, creating a business, uh, investing in a studio. Um, I have some things going on in China um, that I'm investing in and, yeah, so that's how I'm trying to create my longevity is just to um, find different ways so that it can have payback, I guess. And um, and I think my last piece of advice would be um, pay it forward. And that would, as a dance teacher, um, I create longevity by teaching my classes and paying it forward to my students um, and hoping that they carry the same ideals that I do and they learn something apart from choreography. Um, 
because you create longevity um, within their mindsets as well, and then they can only pass it on, and so on and so forth. You touched on a few interesting topics in that response, and I think the first one would be, uh, I mean, just the way you mentioned it is being in the choreo scene is expensive. Yeah. (laughs) And that might be a testament as to why there's a lot of money in the scene, Mm -hmm. because it demands a lot of money. Yeah. And... I don't know if you've listened to the previous episodes or not, but the previous guests, a lot of them have, this is a, a consistent topic, talking about stability and, and talking about how to create an economy for our community, like how to be able to sustain ourselves and how to create um, more economic opportunities, but also how to live as a dancer, because ultimately that's a lot of people's goals. Um, so when I've, personally, I'm not part of the choreo scene, I have Maybe. Oh, you're not? No, 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 no. Oh. I've definitely considered I, I, it. I thought I've seen you, like, on tour. No, definitely not. I've, <laughs> I've considered it, let's say. Um, <laughs> but I'm all, all breaking all the time. So, in the breaking scene, maybe we don't demand a lot of money for practice, and you can literally practice anywhere. And I think that's encouraged, too, because that's what part of being a raw b-boy is all about. But it's really interesting because... The b-boy scene suffers from not having enough money, so there's definitely no stability there at all. But then you look at the choreo scene, and it's all money, like everywhere. You could be on a TV show doing choreo. Even if you're a break, like a b-boy in a TV show, you're going to have to do choreo. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are we not doing as a community, at least for, for like speaking for my community, like what are we not doing in comparison to choreo? So that was definitely a very interesting note. Like You have to invest to succeed. Um, when in breaking, like a lot of the stories are like from rags to riches. Like I literally started breaking in the mud in my backyard, and now I'm at. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like choreography is not always um, like a glittery golden studio that everyone starts off at when they're age four, right. and then they 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 have everything handed to them. Not at all. There's so many people who like you know just started in their garage and just sessioned with people, even though. Um, I mean, choreo scene is not necessarily just choreography. Again, movement in general would be a better term. But a lot of these people just started off freestyling in like in their backyards too, you know. And um, I think um, I would say, quote unquote, choreo um, is very versatile because um, you can create choreo in all different types of styles, you know? And um, I think in the industry, at least, a lot of breaking is considered specialty. Um, And they they want a lot of tricks, unfortunately. And like, um, and it's not like a lot of um, people who are hiring and booking these these breakers, they don't understand like the the music background behind everything. And the, um, I would say, they just they're just looking for the head spins and the windmills and um, so I think it's just it's having to understand your audience um, and knowing what they're looking for yeah. and I think there is money I, I mean if we're speaking about money there is money in in both places right. I think you just have to it's definitely um, not equal but there's <laughs> money in both places it could be though you know because That's... I think um, breakers I've recently I've um, start like wanted to dip my toes into the um freestyle community so and yeah and then i think 
watching all these breakers go at it and understanding how much time and effort and practice they put in on a daily basis, um, that alone should, like, you should never sell yourself short, no matter yeah. what. Like, even if um, you're not necessarily paying so much for your training, um, you're putting in a lot of work every single day, and you're putting a lot of wear and tear on your body. Right. So that alone is anything specialty, whether it's dance-related or not, I feel like you should be getting paid for in, right. yeah, in yeah. a fair way. You know? And that comes with knowing your price and how to price yourself. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. You said you recently saw a lot of breakers? <laughs> how did you find yourself at a breaking event? Um, you know, there's, there's this, uh, I think this, this company, you know, it's called Break NG. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just saw it in the newspaper. Really? Yeah. And the newspaper? They were like, hey, we're, we're throwing like this big event we put like, out with big prices. Um, oh, and you should check out the girls that are working the front desk. Yeah, no, like, definitely. For admissions. Mm-hmm. The, girls, the girls were the reason why people came. Definitely. Actually. Yeah. Shout out to Jacqueline. Again, <laughs> second shout out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Janelle was at Force and Finesse Volume 1, and um, that event went off without a hitch. It was a success, a massive success. And I think that I also came to the same conclusion where there's a lot of talent that could be making money out there. Mm-hmm. Outside of the jam setting, like the money in breaking doesn't always come from winning a competition, and I, I've, it's obviously the same with choreography. Um, but people do need to find out how to price themselves, and people need to be able to feel confident enough to give a price for themselves. And that also comes in choreography. And, and I think for you specifically, since you do this for a living, how do you find a way to price yourself? And I mean, you don't have to go into numbers specifically, but how do you determine your worth? Oh, man. When it um, comes to giving someone a, a quote. Man, I think uh, at first I was super nervous about it. And I was kind of just like, you know what? Like, let's just do it. I don't care what the price is. This is a good opportunity. Let's just do it. And to be honest, um, had I stepped into the scene and had high expectations about my pay and about um, all of that, I think... I, I probably wouldn't have gotten some of the opportunities I have gotten from those lower paying jobs just because um, I think in the beginning, to be honest with you, you're going to have to lowball a little bit. Yeah, um, I can preach to that. Just, just because, and I'm not encouraging like not knowing your worth and I'm not encouraging um, doing free things all the time just because you want to like do this and do that. But I will say that... Um, of the job is network and making those connections. um, And sometimes, most of the time in the beginning, that means doing those free gigs. It means teaching a class for $10. That's how I started Um, when I started teaching when I was like 17 or 16. My first class, I got paid $10. And the students were paying $15 to take the class. Mm. So, again, you should... Definitely not do that nowadays. Like, like fast forward to 2018 now, that should never be the case. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely had to find my way around. I asked questions. I asked a lot of questions. I um, went to people who were experienced, and I came to them for advice. And I think you should never be afraid to do that. Um, find your mentors, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, having 
a mentor that you look up to or a few mentors that um, inspire you and you um, and you value their values and um, you can resonate with them. I think that's so important for them to guide you um, because you can't, it's really hard to do it alone, especially yeah, when you're starting out. No, definitely. Um, so ask questions, ask around, don't be afraid to do that. Um, and again, just repeating myself, know your worth because again, you've, in the past, you've paid for your training, you've paid for studio rental, you've paid for um, rehearsal rental, you've paid for um, all these things that you've invested into your dance training, um, and so you should be getting a fair amount as far as what you're saving now for all these gigs and jobs and whatnot because you've invested so much into it. So they should respect that, that what you do is not something that's common. Right, and you have to be able to pick and choose your battles, right? Because, like you said, a lot of the times you do have to take these $100 six-hour gigs that maybe have absolutely nothing to do with what, where you want to be, but it's all experience. The more you rack up experience, the more people you get to know, the more you'll be able to be open to other opportunities. And uh, that definitely comes over time. Recently, I have also experienced these um, these experiences, not to the same degree, but being paid as a dancer is definitely tricky. And, and sometimes you just get denied when you ask for a price. And it's about being able to walk away and understanding that you did a good job by not going lower. Mm-hmm. So if you give someone like, hey, I'll do this, but I'm going to charge you 100 whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, our budget is 35 You're like, hey, that's maybe a little too low for me. And they're like, well, you know, sucks to be you and then they go find your friend right having integrity in your craft and integrity in your price as a dancer Mm -hmm. i think that's very important and i think also um yes have integrity but at the same time um if you believe in the studio that's hosting you or the company or the um you know the job that's welcoming you and they can't necessarily afford your price but this is this is just coming from my own experiences. A lot of the time, I am more than willing to open like to lower my prices or even do free gigs because just solely because I believe in it, you know. And I think that again, it not only creates a network but it just creates like a lasting relationship with you and those people because they know that like in the future when um, they want to have you come back and they can't afford your price, that um, you're somebody that they'll call first. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you as a person, I think, have been, has been someone, I'm going to reword that, you as a person have come off, to me at least, as someone who's very passionate and someone who's very straightforward with your approach to anything. Um, you're very transparent and you're very open to sharing your wisdom and, and your experiences. Um, what kind of growth did you experience in China? Because... I met you a year ago, and, and like coming back now, it definitely feels like you have a lot of uh, situations and experiences and um, like new knowledge under your belt. So, what can you what can you say you What can you say that you experienced in China that has uh, resulted in this latest version of yourself? Um, I think a lot of it has to do outside of dance with my like who I am outside of dance and essentially that translates into my dancing as well 
Um, coming to China for the first time, the first time I traveled there was um, in, I think it was March of 2017. So that was last year. Um, and I was very nervous. I think I was very soft-spoken. I um, And I kind of was just... Um, really bad at flexing my no muscles, if that makes sense. Like, I was always a yes person. I was always, like, trying to please others, I think. And um, after spending a year out there, um, I realized that I I was almost forced to be more independent, right. which I'm so grateful for. Which is good, yeah. Yeah, because I, for a big portion of my time, I was out there completely by myself, um, and I I had to make a quick transition to just kind of um, pick up my feet and be like, all right, let's do this, um, even though I was in a place where I was like, yo, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, and I think I had so much free time, so much free time, um, that I found myself, like, at times I found myself, like, taking class every single day, all the classes, just because I had nothing to do. And I think at one point, I was like, why am I just an empty vessel taking class? Why am I doing this just because I need time? I, I need to kill my time. Um, and it, when I made that transition of my mindset, um, and I actually started taking classes every day out there, um, and along with teaching, and did things with a purpose, because um, I think sometimes we have those fallbacks where we just have to remind ourselves, and that's what I was going through at the time. Um, I was kind of like, I'm out here in a foreign country doing what I love to do, sharing my passion with other people. Um, let's do something about it, you know? And so since then, um, I think you mentioned that I'm very straightforward in what I, I want and what I like to do, and I think that is due to my travels being alone all the time and um and loving it yeah definitely yeah um and i think meeting new people out there also that gave me so much insight whether they were dancers or not dancers um i met the greatest people out there in china um shout out to my sisters uh out there in china i miss all of you and um they are also the reason why i've gained a lot of strength um, in who I am today. Was this ever your goal? Did you ever start dancing or whatever, or pursue it heavily in high school and see yourself being where you are today? I think it was always a dream. Um, it was always a dream to like, oh, I want to, I think my first dream is like, oh, I want to go on tour. I want to go on tour. I want to be a dancer in LA. I want to do that industry life. Um, blah, blah, blah. We're on tour, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I started teaching when I was 16, 17, which is a pretty young age. And I honestly, I wasn't that experienced. I wasn't even experienced at all enough to be teaching. Um, but I'm so glad that it happened the way it did because teaching is just as much of a passion as dance is to me now. And um, man, so repeat that question one more time. I totally lost my train of thought. <clears throat> the train has left the station. <laughs> the train has left the station. Um, was traveling <laughs> and teaching was ever your goal? Was it ever my goal? Did you ever see yourself it, as a younger again, version? Again, like it was a dream. 
and I, um, it was a dream that was always there, but I didn't really think of it much. So, and I didn't think I'd ever be able to, to get that far, to be honest with you. I thought moving to LA and kind of auditioning for things is more realistic to me. So that was my, that was my first goal. Um, but when this came, I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. And I think the first time I experienced, um, having teaching and traveling, um, be what I want to focus on and be something I want to pursue is when I taught in the Philippines for the first time in 2016. And that was my first time teaching abroad. And, um, when that happened, I was like, this, this is what I want to do. Like for sure. Um, I've always wanted to travel. Um, and I always love teaching. And I think, um, I'm definitely living my dream right now. Yeah. Do you feel that travel is essential for anyone that wants to become a great teacher or a great dancer? Not necessarily, um, but I do think it's essential to better your soul, honestly. Um, and I say that like with all the emphasis in the world because um, it's so easy to get comfortable with where you're at, whether you're here in, like, in San Diego or whether you're in... Um, whether you live in a different part of the country where it's not as suburban or like um, not so urban as it is here, but um, yeah, it's just so important. It's so important to do, even if it's um, across the country, even if it's upstate, um, even if it's overseas, I think it's so important to travel because you just expand your mind and therefore um, this is a quote I heard from Jojo Diggs and ever since um, I heard this I've always lived by it you dance how you live and as long as you keep your mind um, open and you are constantly sponging in new ideas and new cultures and things that's definitely going to translate into your dancing Um, and so that's a great quote yeah, so if you if you want to um, become a better dancer, uh, tap into tap into yourself first, tap into that soul, and um, just feed it, you know, and and then it'll translate into your dancing um, seamlessly. Wow, that was that was a soundbite right there. <laughs> Poetry by Janelle. <laughs> yeah. um, that's crazy because you talk about. It seems like you reflect your your dancing and your achievements and you reflect that on who you are as a person or maybe vice versa. Like the more you grow as a person, the more you've grown as a dancer and the more you've grown in success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at, at the very least, I'm going to speak completely subjectively here. Like from what I've seen, I think you've been growing pretty steadily and I feel like, I feel like that everything is playing right into your vision right now, and it seems very, uh, <clears throat> it seems very right to say that you're doing it right, like you're going the right path, right? And uh, as far as opportunities go, like I think that China opportunity definitely opened up um, a plethora, like a Pandora's box of wealth in many forms, and and it's really cool to hear you say that, like. You feed your soul before you become a better dancer because it seems like a lot of people sometimes forget that part because dancing is is a 
direct reflection of what you're feeling. Um, and the, I think my favorite part about hearing you say that is just like knowing that someone else cares, you know, like someone else cares about themselves before their dance. And I think you and I have had a conversation about this before. Um, if you don't feel right, you don't dance right, you know? Yeah. And it's great. It's great to hear people kind of just reflect on that sense because that's kind of, that's a part of dance that I don't feel like gets talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just because I've had B-Boys on the podcast and maybe that's not the first thing that people think of when they think of breaking, but it's interesting to hear you say that because I also share that same sentiment. Um, however, when you, f- like, we just talked about feeling and, and how that could play into your dance. For you specifically, what happens when you feel burnt out and how do you, how do you deal with that? Because that happens to everybody. Physically or spiritually? um, Just in general? I think when I I mentioned being burnt out, I feel it's more that, like, you've done, you've done so much and you just don't have any, maybe spiritual energy, physical energy, dealing with having to still do what you do because you are getting paid to do it, but not having that Mm -hmm. uh, sense of fullness to do it. Yeah. that makes sense? That was terribly worded. (laughs) No, I I understand. Um, I'm actually going to mention this, um, and then I'll go back to answering the question as a whole. But um, recently, again, I, I taught at a high school, and I think I've been working with a lot of teenagers. Um, and a lot of the, the biggest question I've been getting is, how do you get over feeling bad about yourself or comparing yourself or this and that in dance? And... Um, I meant, I answered this on social media a while ago, um, and it actually got a, a very good reaction. Um, and I think it's so important to realize that the feeling of feeling bad about yourself or comparing yourself, at least in dance, honestly, it's it may never go away. It may never go away, um, and it may come back in small forms and it may come back and hit you harder than ever at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think understanding that, that feeling, that burnt out feeling of feeling down and feeling like you're comparing yourself to others, um, even though it may never go away, the variable in it and what you can control is what you're comparing yourself to. And for me, I always strive to change that variable to um, myself. So if I'm ever feeling like I'm comparing myself to others and I'm like, darn, like this person got this job, this person's on tour, I'm not doing that, I'm not, I'm not doing anything, I, right. I need to get better, I need to do this. Um, I just like to compare myself to who I was in the past. Okay. And if I'm doing better now than I was in the past, than I was a year ago, five years ago, and I'm putting in work and I know that... Um, like what I'm doing now is making a difference in my life for the better, then that's all I can ask for. Because we're in this for a long time, you know, like, um, well, we, have, we have a lot least, of time. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of time as, as humans, as dancers to, um, to get better. And so, um, just let yourself, um, constantly be your own competition and okay. try to stray away from comparing yourself to others rather than yourself. Um, and I think um, also with burnout, I would say um, 
having time to reflect and meditate is so important, like we said earlier. Um, I had a lot of that time in China, um, way more than I wanted, but it was so necessary for me because although I was dancing every single day, all day, um, I all I wanted to do was keep going because I had so much time to reflect and realize like what I'm doing and why I'm doing it for. Um, and that just kept me motivated. Um, and especially thinking about who you're paying it forward to and all the people you can inspire. If you just, if you have the ability to inspire one person at all in this world, then I think what you're doing is a pretty great thing. And I think just zoning in on that um, is enough inspiration and motivation to keep doing what you're doing. And I think it's pretty fair to say that you inspire a lot of people from what I've seen on your social media. Um, you have a good following and you have people that support you and support what you're doing. And they wouldn't be doing that if you were doing it the wrong way, you know? I, I, I hope I'm doing something right. You know? I would hope so too, <laughs> up to this point. Um, I hope you don't have a, a random a random stranger on your podcast. And just Oh, I just met you today, actually, oh. right? We just met in the parking lot? Yeah. 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 Right? Um, <laughs> What is your getaway? Because you, you mentioned reflecting and you mentioned how that has pushed you to dance harder and to not really encounter burnout. Um, but I feel like everyone has a side activity, right? Something they enjoy doing that's not their, their usual or their grind. Um, and, and I want to know what yours is. Because, for example, um, I do a lot of media stuff on my free time. That's kind of how Break and G happened. But... What's, what's your getaway from dancing? And how, how do you express yourself in other ways? Um, my getaway is writing and reading. I read a lot, actually. What's your favorite book? What's my favorite book? Um, wow. That's a big question. It's a horrible question to ask me. When I, when I, think, of, when I, when I think of favorites, I can never think of anything um, at all. So I'll just tell you my genres, I guess. Okay. Um, I love poetry. I love writing poetry. Um, I love uh, self-enlightenment books um, that just uh, kind of spark things in your mind to... Um, to create an open mind and sponge from that. I love, uh, darn, my guilty pleasure would be romance novels. Unfortunately, you know, just your typical girl, but whatever. Um, and I think I just, I pull a lot of inspiration from reading. Um, and again, let it translate into my dancing because I feel like I'm, I'm very passionate when I dance. Um, and even though I have different styles and different ways to move, I always feel like I, I need to have intention behind it. And I think reading and writing is um, helping me translate um, all of that into my dancing. Um, I Again, I mentioned earlier I like to write poetry. And I think one day I hope to write a book. Um, I got started on that a few years back. And I haven't, I, I haven't, I don't know, I think I've just been making excuses um, so now that I feel a lot different than I did last year as far as confidence and as far as um, strength and everything, I uh, probably pick b- back up on that. Um, <coughs> I like playing with my dogs. I like going to the beach and traveling. And even if it's not for a dance, 
Like I, when I, I've done a lot of traveling, um, just leisurely, and I think that has changed my life as well. Okay. Um, and it doesn't always have to be an expensive trip. Like I said, even if it's like uptown, just do it. Just go do it. Yeah, like a trip to Disneyland. That's really casual. Yeah. Like anybody could do it. Exactly. <laughs> um, where do you see yourself? Like, where, what's your end goal? Um, let's just say, where do you see yourself in five years? And once your body is incapable and once the wheels have gone off the wagon, what do you see yourself accomplishing? Like, what's the end goal for you? I want to dance forever. I want to dance forever. And if I can't, then that's exactly why I teach. And I want to keep teaching for a while. I want to keep traveling. Like, in the next five years, I I still see myself uh, being a little travel bug and um, passing on not just choreography, but... um, my values onto um, hopefully one day a nonprofit. Um, more teenagers. I think um, I really resonate a lot with teenagers um, just because I feel like they're they're just so open to receiving, um, and I love that. And um, again, hopefully writing my own book one day. Um, and I want to write a dance related book one day we'll see um i I have some things up my sleeve like this is how you dance yeah you write it out really a a written tutorial exactly (laughs) if that's possible i mean anything's possible now like keone mari just came out with their their dance ebook so that was pretty cool if you haven't seen that go check that out it's amazing um i don't know how they did it but they created dance in an ebook so um i I aspire to do big things like that one day and hopefully in the next five years or um, the next however many years it'll happen. Um, And I I believe in the law of attraction. Um, I believe that as long as you put your mind to it, then it's going to happen for you. And um, yeah. Interesting. Creating a dance book, like a written tutorial. (laughs) I mean, you could also just... Decide to make the next step up script. I feel like we need oh, a good step up coming soon. You didn't know? Oh. No, this that, is the place to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that, you know, has to be under wraps because I can't, oh, can't right. disclose too much information. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. You know how I don't I don't want my I don't want my manager to be tuning in and being like, you know, you're not right. supposed to be saying anything. Your manager's right outside the I'm window. Just kidding, I don't have a manager. Actually, She's, if you're listening to this right now and you have management skills, hit me up because I need somebody. She was such a liar. She has a whole team outside the door. They're telling me, they're giving me the script, honestly. They're making me choose a question. Um, how do you create as a teacher, as a dancer? Um, because that's a question that I feel fascinates me personally because everybody approaches things differently. Where do you draw inspiration from? Oh, man, how do I create? I think um, if you asked me this question like five years back, or not even just five years, maybe like last year, I would have told you that freestyling was my biggest fear and I couldn't even freestyle like at all by myself um but I think now um I'm so confident in saying that freestyling is so essential when it comes to choreographing um and the reason why I had so much fear is because I had I was comparing myself like I mentioned earlier I was comparing myself to other people I had um I had so many expectations for what my movement should look like. And once I let that go, um, once I 
again, once I found myself in China, right. shout outs to China, um, once I found myself, I was like, you know what, let, let me just move, let me just wiggle around a little bit, let it feel good. Um, and once I started doing that, it all just came na- more naturally. I think um, as far as my process goes, I find a song, and my song always needs um, like a steady rhythm and a climax at one point, and um, just so I can piggyback off of that, and I find um, I find and section off um, the the part of the music that I want to choreograph to. And I visualize. I, I literally lay down and I visualize what I want. Okay. Um, and then I stand up. I give myself about two hours, and I never want to spend more than that, um, or three hours max, just because I found that if I give myself too much time, I calibrate too much, I think about it too much, um, and in the end, it's not a natural product, to me at least. It doesn't feel natural, and I keep editing things um, just because it needs to look a certain way. Um, as far as my movement goes, um, I'm not the t- uh, I'm not into um, super intricate movement, and that's um, I, I respect it so much. And when I see it, I think it's amazing. But I think as far as my movement goes and what naturally fits for me, I'm definitely not that type of dancer. I wish I could be, honestly, that because I would I would love to experiment more with that. But I'm more of a groove and more of a feeling and more of a um, I don't know, just moving my body like a noodle type of dancer. Okay. And um, so when I choreograph, I, I just freestyle. And seldom do I look back because I just goes, I just go with what feels good, ultimately. Um, otherwise, it, it's just, it just turns into this 12-hour process, three-day process that um, doesn't feel organic. So a lot of the time, especially when I was teaching over in China, I would take the metro over to one of the studios, and I would choreograph on the metro. I would choreograph right um, in the on studio. On the metro? Yeah, on the metro. In front of everybody? Sure, why not? Okay. Yeah, it's like one of those, like, when you're dancing at your desk in high school. And I can't relate. <laughs> well, like, you know, choreo heads, if you're listening to this, maybe you can relate. When you're at your desk in high school... And, you know, you're practicing a piece that you recently learned or you have your headphones in and then you're trying to, like, you know, mark the choreography in your seat, but you don't want people to notice you. So you're kind of just twitching around. It's like that. It's a very specific situation. I I know people can relate to this. (laughs) But so that's what I would basically do on the Metro. Um, And I would give myself, like, such a short amount of time to choreograph before class because that's just what felt good to me. And honestly... A lot of um, the pieces that I've made that have received the best and most feedback were the pieces that I spent very little time on um, because I just went with what felt good and I didn't look back. So I think that's my process. I know a lot of people take um, sessions and days to work on something and that works for them. Um, As far as me, I I think I'm best working on my toes and... um, kind of challenging myself with a time limit. Interesting. You provide a sort of structure, but at the same time, it's not really obvious. Yeah, it's an organized mess, to be yeah, honest. But it, all, I, it works out in the end, and I'm so grateful for that. So, I mean, I had the pleasure of recently practicing with you a little bit, and, um, I mean, we weren't doing choreography. We were... Uh, yeah, I was doing air flares. 
and funny you, enough, she was. Like, yeah, I'm not even kidding. I was doing I was so learning. many air flares. I paid for that three thousand dollar private package that she has. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you can book me for a private one hour three thousand, and I'm like, damn, I gotta take out student loans for this. Yeah, and then he he injured his pinky on the first time he tried his air flare, and right, then he right. like he. He canceled out. He just was like, I can't do this. My pinky hurts so bad. The funniest part was that she had already taken it out of my bank account before I showed up. So she was like, it's all about the money, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, actually, I practiced with her and um, it was interesting. I think coming from a breaking perspective, watching a choreo head freestyle, it's a very different feeling. But when you see that at its core, it's the same thing. You know, it's how you interpret the music. And maybe we have different movesets because it's just the nature of our dance but the objective is the same the objective is the same and once you get connected with the music I think you can create a great product Mm -hmm. and for someone that says that they were very scared of freestyling and they had a lot of trouble doing that I felt like you picked up pretty well and you kind of made freestyling your own thing your own idea yeah so I think essentially um if if you if you dance like if you are in the choreo scene, you can freestyle. You just have yeah. to bring it out of yourself, right? You know, and um, and the only way you can do that is just diving in. Um, I I promise you, it's worth it. And even though there's a big mental block for a lot of people, um, it's it's so liberating once you like just let go and let the music just like run through, and you just forget about everything. Freestyling is an art, honestly. Yeah. <clears throat> like it is. anybody it can is. freestyle, but when people can freestyle really well, that's that's a skill on its own. Um, not saying that you can't. I'm just saying <laughs> that like there's people that I feel are maybe more strong. Yeah, are way stronger as freestylers than they are when they think about things. Because going back to what you said, when it feels you're just doing what it feels right, and for some people that intuition is sharp. Mm-hmm. Like everything feels right for them and you can see it when they dance and they're and they're great when they're freestyling but maybe when they have too much time to think about it it doesn't exactly translate the same way yeah for me personally i feel like i'm a little bit of both um i can freestyle but at the same time i have my combos and i have my i have my go-to's my comfort moves just like it's like food you know (laughs) sometimes you can just drive down the street, pick whatever, but you're always going to have that go-to to come back to every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite is actually vegetarian Thai food. Like, if anyone's ever in North Park, there's this really great vegetarian Thai spot. But we can get into that later. Um, we're coming to a close on the podcast, and uh, you've dropped a lot of wisdom so far, and it's been very, like, spiritually interlaced wisdom. Like, I feel like this podcast was more about who you are as a person and what you have to share in terms of spirituality and, and your soul and how you can help others reach that same level of depth within themselves. Um, but as far as dancing goes, and, and this is specifically for the choreographers, the young ones out there listening to this podcast, specifically to hear what you have to say, uh, what is one piece of advice that you would give them if they're pursuing this as a, as a lifestyle, as a career choice? Okay, I might split this up in a few instead of just one. But um, going off of what you just said, I think one of the most important things that I always advocate, and I know um, a lot of my peers 
know this too, and um, we all share the same values, is um, be a good person before a good dancer. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, anyone, there's so many people, like so many talented people who can pick up eight counts, who can have the look, who can, um, you know, just be the dancer that um, people want them to be. But as far as a person, um, it's, it's just so important to... Um, to show gratitude, right. to um, like like I said again, pay it forward to to others, um, to even down to like showing up on time, even down to um, caring. You know, I think um, all these little val not little, but all these really important values um, when it comes to like your morale and who you are as a person are so much more important than booking a job. Honestly, like. Um, so I yeah definitely be a good person before a good dancer. Um, I a sub sublet to that is a, um, that I mentioned earlier. Just have gratitude. Um, I can't tell you how many times um, I've I've said thank you to someone and went went out of my way um, to show them my gratitude, um, even for the smallest thing, right. and it paid for it in the end, like in the future. And I'm not saying you know show gratitude to that. And be like, oh, thank you, thank you for this. I hope I can get something out of it. Of course, right, no. Right. But um, it there's just so much in showing your gratitude to people who give you opportunities or who have made an impact in your life, um, even in dancing, obviously. And um, I think my last thing would be um, always think about your why. Always think about the why. Um, and I get that from um, two twenty. Shout out to 220 and my old team. Um, we always talked about our why and why we do this dance thing, why we're in this, why we go through the struggles we go through. Um, and so channel what your why is um, and why you're doing this and um, always use that as your motivation and never forget where you came from because um, especially if you're getting into the industry and you're trying to make a living out of it and trying to make it your career, um, it's so easy to get caught up. So just all you need to do is take a minute and think about your why and um, refuel yourself, and then you'll get there. And you covered all the bases on that question. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that, yeah, that's pretty concise, clear to the point. Stick to your guns and, and pursue what you want to pursue. But... I guess, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Figure out your why and stick to it. Dang. Shout out to 220 for that one. Heck yeah. Um, so before we close, uh, this is the chance for you to plug anything, your social media, what you're doing next, what you'd like people to know. Uh, so do you have any plugs for us? Yeah, um, social media, Instagram handle is at breakng. Breakng, that's B-R-E-A-K-N-G. That's, that's your social media handle? Just that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, social media is basically Mila Janelle all over. Um, add me on Snapchat, datyoungj. Just kidding. I really don't use Snapchat. Um, but mainly just on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's really it. Instagram's whatever. You're not going to plug your musically? 
My Musical.ly. I've yeah. never used Musical.ly before. She's such a liar. She I have never used Musical.ly. Don't ever points. look at my YouTube. I really don't use YouTube anymore at all. And I think that's, you know, maybe to a fault because I know in this dance thing, YouTube and videos is like the, the like all the rage and stuff. But, you know, eh, eh. All right. Well, that concludes a great episode. For everybody listening, looking for the inquiry intermission, that's going to be its own segment and its own episode, and that'll come out immediately after this one. So thank you for tuning in, and and, uh, we'll be back next month with guests seven and eight on the Break New Ground podcast.